The Rocket Review, a streaming video podcast where consenting adults discuss sex, kink and BDSM, sexual health, sex work, and the adult entertainment industries. While our conversations are created to build understanding and share valuable information, not all views expressed reflect those of the producers, hosts, or sponsors. The Rocket Review is intended for mature audiences only. Well, gang, uh, we're back for the season four finale interview. And boy, howdy, is this a story that you're going to want to watch probably more than once. Just to make sure you got it all. We're going to start real slow. I want to welcome into the show today my becoming quite good friend, Tank. Uh, John, welcome in. You're joining us from San Francisco. How's the weather up there today? Uh, it's actually remarkably sunny, uh, which is kind of nice for a change, <laughs> considering where we are. Uh, rainy this week, but uh, today seems to be beautiful. So I'll probably actually leave my apartment today. It'll be awesome. I That's exciting. It's been very cold and chilly here in Flagstaff, and I am actually on my way early tomorrow morning to Palm Springs Excellent. for, among other things, content creation, uh, some other interviews with some of our other brothers in the industry. Uh, which you are getting into. You're if if you gang if you go right now and check out his Twitter, I'm gonna warn you, it's feisty and it's spicy and it is sexy AF. And yeah, that was well, and that's what brought you on my radar. I uh, I follow Bruiser, a mutual oh, Bruiser connection of ours, <laughs> and you've recently shown up in some of his just for fans postings and his collaboratives, and I went. Who is this guy? And I and and uh, and little did I know, little did I have a fucking clue what I was about <laughs> to invite, who I was about to invite onto the show. You are, and we're gonna get into this gang. Nothing short of an American fucking hero. Now I know that word makes you you know get a little itchy. It makes me a little <laughs> itchy, you know, when I hear it anywhere near my name. And so I can imagine. But you, this is true, and we're gonna get into this and unpack it. You are a bona fide hero. Uh but you're also an adult uh, a new face in adult gay adult uh, entertainment. You're working on building your Just for Fans page. Your Twitter, like I just said, is fire. You have already been working in some aspects of the industry, and we're going to get in and we're going to share here in the later half your Flickr account as a professional erotic photographer, uh, which is ah, and so <laughs> I know. So before I go completely, just puppy you know and you know tail wagon 90 miles an hour and wheedle all over the floor john why don't you share with the gang how it was you became the feature uh of a ronan farrow article that came out in the new yorker in may of 2018 that literally blew the entire trump you know, Cohen, Michael Cohen connection. Share with the gang how that all happened. How did Ronan Farrow make you the feature of a story? Okay, so the origination of that, uh, just to, as a little background on myself, um, at the time I was uh, an investigative analyst for the criminal side 
of uh, IRS. So IRS basically has uh, two factions. One is the civil side, which audits everyday schmucks like you and me. And then the criminal side, which goes for kind of the heavy hitters, um, public corruption, uh, rampant tax fraud, think Bernie Madoff, uh, things of that sort. So uh, I had been with them for a, almost 12 years at that point. And then um, my my primary responsibility was to, to review these reports that the bank submits, uh, which I think I can say now because it's, it's actually been publicized. Uh, they're called suspicious activity reports. So what the bank does is anytime something's kind of out of the ordinary uh, or with uh, outside the bounds of what's considered uh, traditional banking, uh, whether that's an individual or a corporation, uh, they will file the suspicious activity report to kind of red flag it and uh, send a report to uh, the Treasury Department. And then uh, throughout the country, uh, there are investigative analysts that review those reports and kind of call them for potential cases uh, for the criminal side. And then we make referrals to uh, to the civil side or to other agencies, uh, you know, if it's a, a tax exempt organization or what have you, or something that might be of interest to um, Homeland Security, where it involves uh, maybe human trafficking or, or things of that sort. So, uh, so I not only work for them, but I work for several task forces throughout uh, the federal ABC agencies. Um, so yeah, my primary responsibility at that point was to read through this mountain <laughs> of reports every month and uh, weed them out and kind of ascertain if there's something in there of, of interest for IRS criminal or one of these other organizations or task force that I participated in. Uh, so in <clears throat> in 2017, I was reviewing uh, these reports that are specific to a to geographic uh, locators. So if I pull the greater Bay Area, meaning San Francisco, um, San Jose, you name it, it's pretty broad base as far as the Northern Judicial District is concerned. Um, I'm able to to kind of isolate things that are within the confines of that that geography. Uh, and what the bank does is any individual or or party, if you would, um, that's associated with that suspicious activity, they will put that in there as well as their address information and any other personal identifying information. Uh, so when I pull it up, even though Joe Blow in New York is the target, um, they may have a Bay Area connection, which was listed as a as a party to the action. So it'll show up in my reports, uh, which was the case uh, <laughs> that we're talking about right now. Um, so in 2017, reading these reports, uh, I had run through everything and ran across one filed by First Republic Bank. And it listed Michael Cohen. Uh, and the tie-in to the Bay Area was an AT&T address that had a Bay Area zip code. Um, at and is obviously not uh, headquartered here, but at least the participating party uh, had a, uh, something, I think it was over in Emeryville. 
over in East Bay. So that's why I showed up in my report. And uh, as I began to dig and read through that report, uh, because I mentioned other reports, uh, so thinking that, hey, this is like the case of a lifetime. It's Michael Cohen and it's Trump. And that'd be fucking awesome. You know, it's, it's a career making case. Uh, so yeah, I'm a little excitable at times. Uh, so I as one my- would be. I mean, these are <laughs> these are huge names, huge fish coming across your desk, and you're yeah. like, wait, this is evidence of something? Possible malfeasance? Right. Fuck yes, we're looking into this. Yeah, never before had I had something of that magnitude come across my desk. I mean, certainly uh, California kind of public corruption things, and, and San Francisco, certainly San Francisco based corruption things. Um, something nationally, especially when it involves uh, the president and his, at that time, attorney. Uh, and, and what it outlined through the course of this suspicious activity report was all of these transactions that they had noted. And they referenced, like I said, these other filings. So I went back in to search for these other filings, even though that one kind of gave a synopsis of what was previously reported. So when I started digging, you know, all these other kind of banks popped in because I had Cohen's personal identifying information. Um, I did not have Trump's, obviously, but I had I had Cohen's. So I was able to search uh, using the, the parameters of Cohen's PII. So I had all these other factors coming into play uh, with all these other banks and all the activity that they were uh, reporting. But interestingly enough, I could not find two of the reports from First Republic that they specifically mentioned. And it actually even gave me uh, an identification number for the report. So searching on Cohen, searching on that particular SAR report number, it wasn't there. And that, that's alarming because this is this stockpile of SARS is just that. It's a stockpile. It's a reference for uh, analysts like myself to go back in and pull all of this historical data, uh, which I tried doing, as I did with every case, even if it was just Joe Blow market, and they were reporting on him. That was that was the sequence of events is to go back in and get all the historical data so that I could prove this wasn't just a one-off. It was a pattern. A, pattern, a pattern of activity. So, and, and being able to see this kind of activity throughout several banks uh, is certainly a, a bigger red flag than even just a one-off. <clears throat> and because it was several financial institutions, um, it kind of bolstered that argument. And in, in that First Republic SAR, the Suspicious Activity Report, um, it did briefly touch on the Stormy Daniels case and that payment because that payment was routed through Cohen. Um, I didn't care about that. I mean, if you want to hire a, a, a sex worker, have at it. I support that. I think it's awesome. But at that particular point in time, Trump was being hammered on that particular subject and obviously lying about it, uh, even though uh, uh, Stormy, uh, Stephanie, <laughs> had 
come out publicly and said, yes, this is what happened. And Trump is adamantly denying it. So there was a whole lot of underlying things that kind of pushed me maybe uh, a little too far. So, um, but it was nice to know that, 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 that Stormy wasn't exaggerating. This actually did happen, even though it was attorney to attorney. Uh, it was, it was specified in the report that this was a payment for, for Stormy. More power to her. <laughs> she can make the money do it. Um, and her book is actually an interesting read, by the way. Uh, as an aside. It is. It is quickly <laughs> climbing up my list uh, for book reads. She's, she's pretty awesome. Um, so anyway, getting back to my uh, discovery, uh, I didn't know where to go with this. Um, by and large, law enforcement is, is fairly conservative. Um, I think probably it's common knowledge, or you may not know that. But by and large, it's, it's pretty conservative. Um, at that particular point in time, the, uh, the higher-ups at CI, including my immediate supervisor, um, were all very conservative. And I butted heads with her uh, for years prior to that. Uh, even though they kind of rotate out supervisors about every four or five years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd been stuck with her for at least five. Uh, and we were in constant turmoil over one thing or another. Um, so I wasn't comfortable going to her and saying, here's this Cohen case. And I'd like to pursue it. Uh, but I didn't know where to go. And I knew all of the higher ups you know, at headquarters in D.C., uh, they were all very, very white, cis, conservative men. And um, I thought if I went up what would normally be my chain of command, uh, this was just going to get buried somewhere and never see the light of day. Uh, if you go back in your way back machine to 2017, there was uh, an attorney uh, who actually was representing uh, Stormy at the time, named Michael Avenatti, who <laughs> subsequent to that uh, has really kind of hit rough times and, and he had his own turmoil and things going on. Uh, certainly a case of someone getting a little too full of themselves. But at that point in my, in my life, and at that time, he was the go-to guy. They were talking about him as a potential presidential candidate uh, because he was, he's very charming and he was representing uh, Stormy, Stephanie. And so I, out of the blue, did a little research on my own time and came up with his office number. And I called him, left him a voicemail, uh, obviously stepped outside the office <laughs> to do that. <laughs> yeah. Definitely not something you want to do on a tapped line from yeah, your not so much. Not so much. Um, so I called and left him a message and said that I had some some information that I wasn't sure what to do with. Uh, but I would like his legal opinion uh, and see where that was gonna where that path was going to take me, good, better, and different. Um, I'll also note, uh, it's a little back step here with the federal agencies, every keystroke you make is monitored. 
I mean, whether I'm looking at New York Times or doing my research, uh, there was one time that I was working a case here in San Francisco and I ended up having to go to not an adult website, but a, a website that promoted adult activities. Uh, so yeah, I got a phone call about that three days later. So <laughs> uh, doing all of this, I, I knew full well my keystrokes were being were being monitored. Uh, it's just it kind of keeps you honest. Uh, anyway, so made the call to Michael, left the message, and about I don't even think it was a half hour later, he called me. Uh, I said, uh, "Let me step out, and we'll we'll talk about this." And I actually left the entire federal building. Uh, just because every, every, I don't know where things are being monitored, where things are being taped. So my own paranoia, uh, I walked down to a, to a parking lot, uh, and had this really in-depth conversation with him. And he, uh, was very open to hearing it. Uh, of course, uh, you know, I think even for him, this would be the case of a lifetime. So, he asked if I could send him the documents, which I did uh, via WhatsApp and just took photos of the documents, sent them via WhatsApp because it was still end to end encrypted at that point. Uh, and I took a false sense of security in that <laughs> as it turned out. Um, they say that, but don't believe it. <laughs> um, and it went from there. And about, uh, I think it was three or four days later, um, as it turned out, uh, I have two Twitters. One is my kind of adult online persona, and the other is for my political rantings and ravings. Um, and I noticed uh, <laughs> um, in my friend request that Ronan Farrow had started following me. And I thought, why is Ronan Farrell following me? That's so bizarre. But of course I'm going to accept and, and right. I think I'm already following him because I like his work. Um, but yeah, Ronan Farrell following me out of the blue. And I was like, what the hell? In fact, I even... Let's be clear. Twitter. Not this not this Twitter gang. The no, other Twitter. <laughs> the, yeah, the, uh, the, the, uh, the, other, the other Twitter. Uh, and I even mentioned it to my boyfriend at the... Uh, at that particular time, like Ronan Farrow just started following me. It's so strange. And uh, he's like, who's Ronan Farrow? I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> not politically motivated at all. Um, I said, he's just, he did this great expose on the Me Too movement and all these women that came forward and, and really told their story and did it very well. Uh, and to this day, I still admire him. He's, he's an excellent journalist and, we need more of Ronan Farrow, less BuzzFeed. <laughs> totally agree. More long form. More right? long form. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So uh, Ronan dropped me uh, a message uh, a few days even after that. And in, in the course of that conversation, he disclosed that he and Michael had gotten together in New York and had dinner. And... Michael shared with him the documents that I had sent and not too much more happened between Michael and myself. I'm sorry, uh, Avenatti, let me be clear because there's a Michael Cohen involved. Um, 
Avenatti and myself really didn't have that much more interaction at that particular point. Um, so my interactions were primarily with Ronan and his amazing crew uh, to support him and, and do fact checking and, you know, all the backup work behind the scenes that go into making an article. And I probably spent uh, in total two days of you know, just multiple interviews, uh, multiple questions as I fact check things and were able to support what I was saying. Um, but he had all of the documentation from all of the banks involved. And in May of 2018, he broke the story. And he gave me a heads up that it was hitting. Uh, I was sitting in my gym parking lot, <laughs> uh, procrastinating probably a little. Um, and he called and said, okay, it's done. Uh, he had sent me an advanced copy, but it was uh, still kind of, if you approve this, then we'll go to print. Uh, and so I was reading it and it was exactly what I wanted. It, it, it told all of the backstory, all of my backstory without ever mentioning my name, which I was uh, at that point delusional enough to think that this wouldn't catch up to me. Not that I felt that I had done anything wrong, but knowing knowing the way that the federal government works and these different agencies, if you step outside the boundaries of what's considered uh, normal day-to-day -day activities, uh, you're going to get hit. And Yeah, if you break the chain of command, especially. Yeah, yeah that's, a, that's a biggie. And, uh, but I felt like, and, and Ronan certainly encapsulated my feeling in the article. Um, I didn't feel as though I could stay silent, uh, on this particular topic. Uh, you know, no matter the, the chaos and everything that I had seen with other cases and, and what have you, uh, this was special and it, it, it became for me more about the security of our nation because what I was seeing were all these foreign entities uh, that were routing money to Trump through Cohen. So Cohen was kind of this, this funnel and he would catch all of these, um, all of these different corporations that were likely a pay to play scheme. And I'm not saying that, arbitrarily I, it's certainly the way it felt so what pay to play means for those that don't know uh, you're paying for access to whatever entity you're trying to get to obviously the president is really high on a lot of lists um so yeah there were pharmaceutical companies there were um, uh there was a north i'm sorry a south korean aerospace company uh there was at&t so you name it money was being funneled to Trump through Cohen and in, in seeing that kind of volume of, of money being, being transacted um, is a little alarming because the, the figures, when you get up into seven, eight, nine figures, it's, it's scary. So what's happening that I'm not seeing that the banks aren't reporting because of the parties involved. Um, 
It's like, if this is what we have oversight of, what the fuck is going on underneath? Exactly. And and look how many years it took to catch up to, to someone like Bertie Madoff. And I use him as kind of the the, the be-all, end-all of, of fraud oh. <laughs> in this nation. Yeah, he, he's <laughs> king, king emperor fraud. Yeah, yeah. He, he's, he's taking the trophy home on that one. Um, but it took years to mm-hmm. to prove that case. And it wasn't until very public people started going public to say they were getting ripped off. Uh, and the, the Trump Cohen case wasn't a Madoff case in any way, shape, or form. But what it drew into question for me was, is our president um, compromised? Is he being compromised? Uh, is there potential for blackmail? Uh, there was uh, obviously... Uh, no, not obviously. There was a Russian oligarch involved, and uh, I wish I could remember his name off the top of my head. But he was actually still here in the U.S., but considered a Russian oligarch. And at that case, or at that point in time, Mueller's investigation was was like waist deep, and it, it even bolstered that argument. So, um, I, I felt compelled. To, to speak out. I couldn't remain silent. Uh, and certainly even subsequent to that, everything that, that Trump has done, even as far as taking documents from, from the White House, which you just don't do, obviously. Um, I don't trust that that he was keeping those safe, that he isn't selling them or, or handing them over to someone. Um, we'll not know until much later. But all of this subsequent to to my disclosure uh, has bolstered my feeling that that I did the right thing. Uh, it took them until November of 2018. It was the, the day after we came back from Thanksgiving. And when I walked into the office uh, at 730 that morning, uh, there were two. Two special agents waiting for me uh, from. Uh, the the treasury version of internal affairs. We call them TIGDA. Uh, so there were two TIGDA agents waiting for me when I walked in. Um, and because I was usually the first one in, I was kind of a little surprised. Um, and they escorted me to my desk and they explained what was happening. They took my computer. Uh, they essentially boxed up everything on my desk. And it took uh, probably took another three months. I think that they finally let me go uh, as far as an employee is uh, or as an analyst uh, in March. Uh, so f- from the time they took my computer to uh, to that particular point in time, because they couldn't fire me without a really solid case underneath them. Uh, I sat in a room with a dead laptop that I could uh, search the internet uh, for new cases, uh, which you know is actually easier than it sounds. <laughs> but um, yeah, so I sat in a room by myself. I wasn't allowed to speak to other employees. You know, certainly not allowed back in the main office. Um, so I was in probably a 12 by 12 foot office with nothing but a desk, a chair, and this 
what we called a cold computer. Uh, so I had no access to any government programs or, or what have you. Um, when confronted, I never lied. Um, I, I felt strongly enough that what I did was correct, still do. And there wasn't any point denying it. Um, you know, even though Ronan never mentioned my name, uh, and apparently it took them however many months to track it down by keystroke. Uh, but I never lied. I never denied what I did. Uh, I was able to, to get a really awesome attorney who uh, flew up from LA and, and we spoke uh, quite a bit actually. <laughs> um, and she was going to handle my case pro bono, which was excellent. Um, and then she also was representing Michael Avenatti on a whole different set of circumstances. And when, when Michael kind of stepped in it and kind of went off the deep end, um, she had to say, I, I can't represent you. It's, it's a conflict of interest now because everything that he was doing on her case was starting to coincide with stuff that was happening on my case. So there was going to be a conflict. It was going to draw her into question. Um, so she referred me to a, a local attorney uh, who did a really excellent job, unfortunately, not pro bono. <laughs> so at this point, I'm, uh, I'm unemployed uh, for the month of March anyway. Um, and panicked that how was I going to pay uh, $250 an hour for an attorney to represent me in a case that was certainly going to last a long time. No matter that I admitted it, no matter their case or how strong or weak it was, uh, I was looking at at, at least a six-month trial. Uh, it turned out it was a year. <laughs> so um, I was fortunate enough uh, to uh, to land a job with uh, with a company here in San Francisco that had no qualms about what I had done. Uh, K owned, yay. Uh, <laughs> he had uh, had respect for what I did and hired me no questions asked. We had lunch and he hired me at the end of lunch, uh, and I've been working for him ever since. So he's a great guy uh, and actually came to several of the hearings. Uh, and certainly was in attendance at my at my sentencing, which was uh, January of 2019. Um, I did have a sympathetic judge, which helped uh, being in San Francisco. Uh, admittedly, I live in a bubble. Uh, we're very progressive. We're very democratic and uh, a little left leaning, uh, as was my judge, fortunately for me. Um, and what, to, what ultimately was the charge? Uh, the charge was disclosure of uh, what's called PII, personal identifying information. So if, if I ever got a hold of your social security number and phone number and all that, um, it, it's doxing is, is probably the, the closest thing to it. And even though I never published Michael's Michael Cohen's uh, social or, or anything, nor did, did Ronan, obviously, um, because I had transmitted those those SARS to Avenatti and then 
obviously Avenatti to uh, to Pharaoh, uh, it was considered uh, disclosure of public, uh, or I'm sorry, private identifying information. Uh, so that was the charge, and uh, they were going to charge me for each document. Um, but they, because uh, I have a, had a really great attorney, uh, it just became one charge, and they were trying to nail me on a, on a few others and. Uh, they weren't sure they could make it stick, nor did my attorney. Um, what ended up happening in the end run was I pleaded guilty to, to the PII disclosure and uh, took the plea deal uh, to keep it from going on any further because I was uh, starting out at this new job, uh, still making decent money, but when you factor in a $250 an hour attorney plus private investigators and what have you. Uh, it gets expensive, very expensive. And I took the plea deal just to be done. I, I was tired. It was starting to, to wear on me physically and mentally, certainly emotionally. Uh, I had made the grave error of not talking to my other half before any of this happened. And, uh, so I, I not only risk my own personal well-being and my personal safety, but also ultimately his. Uh, there were uh, a few times where uh, I saw cars either following me or sitting outside our apartment. Uh, probably at that point, they were federal agents, but I don't know that. Uh, so what ended up happening was... Uh, I got sentenced to uh, five years probation, which I'm still on, um, and six months of uh, what is ho basically home detention. Uh, I was allowed to go to work, um, and that was it. Uh, still, I'm not allowed to leave the Northern Judicial District, which is Bay Area, uh, without express written permission from my uh, probation officer. Um, so here we are in 2022, <laughs> um, the six month, uh, home detention was actually at the start of COVID, uh, that started in January of that year. And then, you know, COVID locked us all down in, uh, in March. So, uh, you know, if you're looking for silver lining, <laughs> it's best to be on home detention while you're in a pandemic. Well, uh, we're all on fucking home detention. Good. Hey. <laughs> so I wasn't missing. I'll anything. take it. I'll take the, <laughs> I'll take the smallest silver linings. Right. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah. A little ray of sunshine there. Uh, so yeah, it, it, it certainly helped. And I could not get that ankle bracelet off soon enough. It was the most annoying thing ever. Uh, and would go off and I'd get a call and have to verify that. Uh, I, yeah. I have a generalized anxiety disorder. I can't even fucking imagine having that on my ankle. I would be up case all if you, the time. If you look in, at some of my photos, uh, because subsequent to this whole blowing up and, and being a whole shit show, uh, if you look in some of my Twitter photos uh, from that time period, you'll see my ankle bracelet. <laughs> and that was a, uh, that was a, 
still a little bone of contention because it's not that I'm ashamed of it. I did what I did. Right. But having no. You can't just say, oh, I'm on probation. That's my angle race. Look, you've got to tell the whole story. So every time. Yeah. <laughs> that, no, I, I, I can imagine. Uh, this is, I told you, gang, when I said it at the top of the show, this man is nothing short of a hero. I wasn't fucking around. I don't <laughs> banter around with that word uh, very, you know, willy-nilly. Uh, and so you you sacrificed everything when you didn't have to. You were under zero onerous to do it other than your own... Uh, moral fiber, your own ethics drove you and 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 motivated you, um, and what you released created an avalanche for that orange fucking baboon. <laughs> and for that, sir, you will remain a hero uh, in my my purview uh, till the end of time. Thank you. Uh, uh, then, then the fact. <laughs> that you're a fucking smoking hot porn daddy. Now uh, I wasn't on the then. rise, right? <laughs> I was not well, then. well, and I'll and I'll go ahead and ask the question. So in our in our, in our original background conversation that we had off the record and stuff, I even teed it up and I was like, okay, in some way, is you crossing into you know, uh, something as abstract and not mainstream as gay male adult entertainment, is that in some way a, a bit of a uh, to that mainstream patriarchy that you worked for, that you, you worked inside it for so long in your mainstream think, career? Is there is there a little bit of uh, that going on? I think there, there is. I, I think because um, we had a uh, working in, in law enforcement as long as I did, because prior to to working for the feds, I also worked in an, another agency in law enforcement um, with the district attorney's office uh, in a different county. Um, so I've always had like an ethics clause um, that I'm bound by. Um, so it, uh, you know, I kind of had to mind my P's and Q's and they, I would let stuff slip Periodically, I, I, I did a spread for for a uh, online magazine, and uh, one of my co agents discovered it. How I have no idea, but oh, uh, we know how. <laughs> uh, and it was a it, it was a, an older lady, so that was even more kind of. Ooh. <laughs> so I really did kind of keep that part of myself under wraps. I, outside of work, total pain. Total pick, but anything online was uh, was certainly uh, more subdued and and a little more uh, maybe R rated, but uh, certainly rarely X. Well, and we're gonna we're gonna look at your photography work here uh, in a, in a second. Yeah, no, we're we're gonna yeah no. Let's I'm gonna even go ahead and bring it in here. Okay, and, uh, we'll we'll pop off down here to the bottom. Hey, gang, uh, Tank has a Flickr account which i highly recommend let me can we cram it oh we'll just nah let's take that out of here for right now anyway um and it's fire your your use of light uh you i i, I take it I'm, I'm seeing a fan of natural lighting i am uh, definitely a fan of natural lighting choices i i am too unless of course i'm 
you know, training it for a stage. But understanding lighting is key to photography. That's it's it's Absolutely. one of the your uh your the warmth in your skin tones is is outstanding. Um, I love that you are showing hyper masculinized, you know, very masculine of center dudes who are being incredibly intimate in very soft, what I would call soft ways. Yes. Uh, you know, true intimacy, real intimacy. Um, and so shout out because uh, not only is he great in front of the camera gang, he's great behind the camera as well. And, <laughs> And boy, you uh, you photographed some top shelfers. I'm seeing some folks yeah, in I see here. This is Daddy John from Montreal. Uh, oh, two black and whites in the, the one of the best fucking beards in the biz. It's oh just... my gosh, and he's such a sweet guy, such a sweet guy. So uh, this is a little secret you're gonna find out, Tank. The more you hang out in gay adult, which you're in San Francisco, I'm sure you've met many gay adult guys, and you already already know this. 99.9% of gay adult uh, uh, entertainers are ridiculously sweet dudes. They are just nice as the day is long. Whatever you might, whatever gruff and humble, you know, or stuff we put in the porn or whatever. Dude, we are just a, we're just a bunch of fucking daddy bears, teddy right. bears, ready to kick back. <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, your model, your, your choices in model are oh quite gosh, I have been tasty. really fortunate in, in that regard to have uh, these really incredible men just open up and, and first of all, agree to even be photographed in, in my particular style. And, and yeah, it's, it's, I've been very lucky uh, through the course of my hobby uh, that certainly got out of control. Um, hey, yeah. it, no, it can do that quickly. It can do oh, that absolutely. really quickly. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. All right. I've been warned already not to scroll too far down. Uh, for fear, for fear, we will venture into not Twitch ready exactly. uh, yeah, uh, content. Uh, but gang, you can go and look for it. Your look through it all yourself. Uh, Flickr.com <laughs> photos slash tank seven oh seven for you podcast fans. Get in there, and uh, I highly recommend checking out Tank's Twitter uh, <laughs> because it's uh, it's enthralling. I'll it's, use. It's been fun. I've had a I've had a good time because I, I think for for so long I was kind of bottled up that way uh, online uh, to kind of open up and and explore that part of of who I am, who I think I've always been, um, but to put it out there, and I have been uh, remarkably blessed. Uh, and I honestly I don't know why I don't know why it hit. Um, a, a I'm an old dude, so <laughs> no, no, sure no, no. Look, uh, I wanted to bring it up. Yeah, so current follower count on your Twitter, you are over forty-seven k in followers. I'll bet you pop over fifty k before the end of the year, uh, Mister. Feasible. <laughs> and so, get over there. And check it out before Twitter completely fucking implodes, by the way. That's... I know, right? That's, I like it. 
I'm running a poll right now. I'm running a poll right now, and I guess it's currently kind of toss-up between Mastodon and Tumblr, going back to Tumblr. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to go back to Tumblr. They fucked me off, man. They blew – I had a – I had a four or five year blog there, a lot of great curated stuff, my own shit. And it went gone overnight, no warning. And I was like, eat my shorts, Tumblr. I'm not sure I want to go back. Uh, I, 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 like you, Tank, have a bit of a rebellious streak in me, too. In in case that's not, I know, right? Imagine that. (laughs) Imagine growing up queer in North Central Texas. You might be a little rebellious. (laughs) Just 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 discover. I I want to officially invite you back uh, for another interview in season five because it has been uh, something I've long wanted to explore. I'd like you to take part in a roundtable of other gay men who uh, had mainstream careers in law enforcement at various levels. Oh, wow. And uh, because there is a narrative there that uh, there's there's a universal thread through all queer men, gay men, bi men that have worked in law enforcement, they, uh, there's an understanding they all share. And uh, and I wanna uh, I wanna bring that onto the show in the next season. And so please accept my invite to return in season five. Also, please don't ever hesitate to uh, uh, let us know anything you need signal boosted anytime you drop new features. <laughs> we'll be sharing that around. And uh, and shout out to you and your husband who gave us this time this weekend to to do this. Thank you for what you did. Um, Again, heroes, gang, are the people who do the thing they don't have to do when it's time to do it. And and that's exactly what John did. And that's exactly why uh, I was so very honored to share the continued part of your story. You know, what, what, what Ronan didn't get in his original article, uh, you know, and stuff. And, and, um, and we're going to continue to share that, too. So let's let's give it let's let's give the gang the big happy. When's probation up? <laughs> um, I think in January of twenty twenty four. But I'm, a, um, I'm but I but you probably go under review periodically, right? Where I, I have to uh, I have to submit a monthly report. In fact, I just did it this morning. Uh, every month I have to report in, um, not physically. I do it online. Uh, they ask me it shit ton of stupid questions you know uh, sources of income because i think originally they wanted to make sure that i wasn't paid for the information that, that i gave which is is logical because that um, because that's I, a different I was, crime <laughs> I, yeah right <laughs> um i was not I, I did not financially benefit uh from any of this whatsoever um i will say that uh there was a young lady uh and a friend of hers, who happens to be Laura Ingram's brother, if you're familiar with Laura Ingram and her witty, witty repartee. <laughs> witty, yeah. <laughs> yeah, witty. Um, her brother, uh, really interesting guy, very, very intelligent guy, uh, is a college professor, Curtis. Uh, so uh, this young lady and, and, and Curtis actually did start a GoFundMe for me. Um, back in uh, in twenty, it, it must have been twenty eighteen or 
at the beginning of, of 2019. Uh, uh, we, we set a goal of, uh, uh, essentially what my expenses, my legal expenses. And, uh, and then my, my court fees, which ended up being five grand, just out of the shoot, just for the in joy, fees. the joy of being tried in federal court, uh, 5,000. So, <laughs> which in the greater scheme of things, isn't a lot of money, but, uh, it was, that's awesome. a lot of money. So, uh, we, we set a goal of, I think it was 15 because my legal fees were in excess of 20. Um, and then my, 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 my court fees were five grand. My court fees and probation fees were five grand. So uh, we didn't quite reach the goal, but I was, I was happy that anyone contributed anything uh, because through the course of the entire ordeal, um, my attorney advised me to never speak to media. Uh, so we never did. I never did uh, an interview uh, through the course of, of the trial. And even though there were media figures, local media figures that showed up uh, for every hearing, uh, uh, we never spoke to the press. Which, in, in retrospect, um, I'm not sure it was a good idea, but it was what it was. I was heard by and and I had to abide by that. Um, well, we're going to get the word out now. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, and I will say that courtroom sketch artists are evil, evil people. There's there's one one sketch of me in the courtroom, and I look anorexic, and I I'm like, really, I'm. I'm a buck eighty-five. I am. Not I remember a small when dude. I'm short, but I'm not just a small dude. Fire plug is right? the word that kind of comes to mind when I see you. <laughs> yes, stocky. Oh, yes. So yeah, um, my only claim to fame is that courtroom sketch that was absolutely horrible. <laughs> well, and and now if the gang would like to help out, uh, they can tip you right on Twitter. Uh, oh, uh, they can, right. yeah, they can help you right there. Uh, they can also even DM you, and I'm sure you've got a Venmo and uh, and some other. <laughs> uh, and now, gang, uh, Tank's uh, giving it to you, quid pro quo. So <laughs> you treat you treat Daddy good. Daddy gonna treat you good. That's how this works. All right, get out there. Go check out his Flickr as well, because again, you're. Uh, I cannot. I would like to pose for you sometime. We can land in the same I city. I would love that. I would love that. Because I, I have um, I have a set in mind that I want to do, and and because I'm I'm kind of broaching into the whole uh, fisting thing, if I can say that. Oh yeah! Um, oh yeah! Yes! 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 I want to do. Um, an erotic, sensual fisting set, like because I think it, it it is the ultimate in in trust in sensuality that that you're allowing this other person to be that much that you trust them enough to be inside you like that. But I, I volunteer as tribute. Okay, cool. 
I volunteer as tribute. No, uh, you, well, you and I talked about that in our background yeah. chat. We share yeah. this same fetish. We love it, enjoy it. Uh, uh, you're getting into uh, Switch, both sides of it, which is also like, Switches rule the world. And it, I love uh, I just, that. It, well, to me, it intensifies the connection. It intensifies the sensuality of it all. It's, uh, Absolutely. And, and Fist 69? Like, oh my gosh. Good simultaneous? Good that. And it was, it was so mind-blowing that, and bear in mind, Bruiser and I have known each other for 30 years. And, you know, he was, I've known Bruiser since before he was Mr. Mr. IML. Um, so to have that relationship and that friendship come to fruition in this, in this aspect, um, because we never played up until probably last fall. I think was the first time. Uh, and he's so freaking awesome. So I have that, that history with him that, that on a hookup or meetup or even a date, you don't, it takes a long time to establish that level of, of trust and, and For real. intimacy. Um, and to have it with Joe, uh, oops, sorry, Bruiser, <laughs> right out of the shoot. Um, it was amazing. So for every, every hour of of us going at it hot and heavy there's two hours of us laying on the bed laughing our heads off at stupid crap so it's kind of a, yeah belly rubs I, and head yeah, pads and yeah i, I oh. always threaten him with with releasing a, a behind the scenes <laughs> i encourage look i encourage anybody that does fetish content to eventually do just that release a behind the scenes that shows the negotiation and the fun and the cute oh and the gosh, bs that goes on behind the illusion that we're creating often there for is our audiences. so much there's so much. There is. It's ridiculous. Just recently, even uh, came up on Twitter just this week alone, another uh, femdom and, and kink educator I follow and speak to regularly uh, asked and said, for your best stories about silliness going on in the in the playroom. And I went, oh, you mean about the multiple times the, the lube bottle goes flying across the room in the middle of a yes. scene? Yes. Or how many times I'm really thankful my submissive has a blindfold on as I go tripping over my own fucking boots? <laughs> you know, and so very ungrateful. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Laughter should be a, if for me, it should be a staple in the playroom. It should be Absolutely. a very regular, Could very regular. Agree more. If you, and if, if you're you into would. fisting, learning to laugh. You have to. Oh my gosh. If not, uh, yeah, you can't. <laughs> there's a, there's a yoga to it. There's a yoga to laughing yeah. and it. How do I, how do I explain it to the gang? It opens you up. Right. In many ways, a, a few chakras, a few chakras right. align and open up at the same time. We'll, uh, we'll leave, we'll leave it there. Cause you're going to come back. You're going to come back. I actually, now I want to have you and Bruiser back just because I want to, oh, uh, I want to, well, I want to do features with, uh, folks who have that chemistry. You know, I, I have that with a few of my, you know, regulars that I like to make content mm -hmm. with. And so, yeah, when you can make that connection, especially in the industry, it shows up immediately in the content. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, so we're going to close it here uh, because this story is remarkable. And I'm afraid <laughs> the gang is going to just short circuit completely when they, you start to unpack it uh, because it is profound. Um, 
you are a hero and you are one of my personal heroes in many in, in a couple of regards and uh and i can't wait to follow up with you and work with you and just uh just follow along as tank uh, becomes uh, quite a rising star in gay in gay adult daddy in gay adult Ooh. daddy porn uh stay tuned there's going to be way more with this gentleman we'll be uh back with more gang Thank you for listening to The Rocket Review. If you would like to be a guest or have your adult industry business featured on TRR, please email rocket at therocketreview.com. TRR is a production of Hole Punch Media and is supported through corporate sponsorships and subscribers like you. Remember, gang, if you can't be good, be damn good at it.